Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Don, and Dude. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> We're back again for another square dance. Got Dude here. Andy and Don are with me. How you fellas doing? Uh, doing good, doing good. Just uh, squeezing into my cowboy boots over here. Do you, know, you don't wear socks with cowboy boots? I didn't know that, but really? It's... Oh no! You got them? No, I couldn't do that. You wear socks? Yeah. Are do are the red cowboy boots sparkly? <laughs> Spark- what are we talking about here? Spurs? <laughs> they are snakeskin. <laughs> <laughs> snakeskin? You're a vegetarian. I didn't eat them. <laughs> then uh thankfully no one in the listening audience can see you but i know you're just wearing chaps and nothing else but uh how you doing they're pleather there you go (laughs) that sounds Uh, very comfortable i just got done mixing up a pitcher of sweet tea there you go (laughs) all right so this is the album nerds podcast and we love talking about albums we have a great show for you we're uh going to talk about three albums and you may have guessed they are in a particular genre this week we're going to be answering a question talking about what we learned but this week it's all about today's country that's what i'm talking about Country music originated in the southern and southwestern United States, with its earliest recordings coming in the the 1920s. Uh, Country music is primarily focused on working-class Americans and blue-collar life. Many subgenres have developed over the years, including bluegrass, outlaw, and bro country. It is also fused with other genres, including pop, rock, R&B, and hip-hop. Today's country charts include names like Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, and Kelsey Ballerini. So today, each of us will present a country album released since 2020. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. Here we are. (laughs) Modern day country. It's kind of tough because I am a country fan, but I tend to dig on the independent country, the outlaw stuff, the Americana stuff. Um, But I did experiment with more of a pop country world. So I, I listened, I started off with my normal stuff, the Panhandlers, Ian No, Tyler Childers, Zach Bryan, his American Heartbreak that came out last year. Great album, but 33 songs. I just didn't Jeez. know if we could, <laughs> if there was any way we could discuss that. It's asking a lot. Yeah, on this show, boil it down. Like, I don't know. It was a lot. So I'm happy with the path I took. I had some fun in the pop country area as well. So how'd you guys do? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a country dabbler, a little bit less than... Than you did, but I do have the subgenres I enjoy. Oh, oh, Andy, you should be a country artist, and you should be Andy the country dabbler. <laughs> that could be your whole thing. <laughs> just yeah. the dabblers, I like that. The, da- the dabblers, the dab- Andy and the dabblers. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got it. Um, there were a handful. Actually, there was a lot of interesting stuff I came across. Uh, I'll mention a couple here. The Sturgill Simpson record that came out a couple years ago, The Ballad of Dude and Juanita. I'm a little concerned with the spelling. <laughs> D-O-O-D. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe that's just, maybe that's just a proper name. I'm not sure. I think it's more of a phonetic spelling, maybe. Dude. Dude. Uh, really good. I uh, kind of outlaw country epic story there. A record I've been digging on from this year. I'm an artist by the name of H.C. McIntyre. Her album entitled Every Acre, kind of a singer-songwriter country uh, folk record there. It's really good. 
Um, one of the artists I got to give a shout out to, I was very impressed by the uniqueness of the record, is uh, Adim the Artist. He's a non-binary individual from North Carolina. The record is entitled White Trash Revelry. It's a very interesting perspective, just kind of growing up in that non-binary community in the South. Uh, I thought they did a really good job capturing that. It was something I'd never really heard before, so... Yeah, I listened to it too, and it sounded like kind of your, you know, country folk type stuff, but the subject matter, having dealt with being uh, pansexual and non-binary, and then you know, perhaps the acceptance levels might be different in different parts of the country. So yeah, it was it was an interesting listen. It's tough to be pansexual in the panhandle. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 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 uh, that's texas texas is, has a panhandle i don't know if, i think does florida have one too i don't know yeah. if north carolina has one uh but Maybe north sorry. carolina sort of <laughs> yeah. it's got a little handle uh, born in north carolina and uh, <laughs> right. apparently in knoxville tennessee now oh my gosh well it would have been easy i think to to do like a chris stapleton record or uh jason isbell or something but i i did want to you know kind of check out the the stuff that's that's on the charts right now so uh, i listened to luke combs getting old you know which was which was fine there's actually a cover of tracy chapman's fast car that you can hear on country radio these days and he does a good job with it but it would be hard to butcher that song i think also listen to al king you know she's another other kind of one of those like outlaw ladies uh she had an album called uh come and get your wife also I, you know i've heard a lot about old dominion uh over the years so i, I listen to there's um, time tequila and therapy which was a good title but yeah i didn't end up going with with either of those three kind of went in a different direction all right well why don't we head over yonder and check out what we picked you choo choo choose me My dad put so much love into that guitar. You know, someday when he's dead and gone, I'll be able to pick up that guitar and talk to him. All right. For my today's country selection, we are talking about Mr. Billy Strings and his 2022 record, Me and Dad. Let's play a little bit from the opening cut. This is Long Journey Home. Looks like a train. Looks like a train, boys. Looks like a train. Back smoke rising, boys. Looks like a train. And this guy would have been awesome on Hee Haw. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, he would have wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Billy Strings, born William Lee Apostle from Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, Michigan? Sheesh, not very bluegrass in Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> what kind of grass do they have there? Uh, Maui Wowie. <laughs> 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 All right, so this record, Me and Dad, is a collaboration with his stepfather, Terry Barber. Terry is the individual who raised Billy and also taught him how to play guitar. The record is comprised primarily of traditional country and bluegrass standards. My three words to describe this record are string family rocks. Can't imagine growing up in like such a talented musical family as this. I mean, these two guys are just so proficient on the acoustic guitar and other string instruments. Uh, I know they're not biological family, but they do have something in common here that is pretty special. No, I, I can't imagine that. I mean, the only things I could have inherited are doing yard work and records administration, and I did not inherit those things. <laughs> well, you know, those are admirable skills as well. But, uh, <laughs> not likely to make you a country music star. 
though there's not really any original material here, I think what makes this record stand out for me is the collaboration and kind of the the give and take, the back and forth between Billy and his and his father here. It's a nice you can tell they've been playing together for a long time, you know, probably decades at this point, and they have a good rapport between the two of them. Yeah, why don't we play another cut from the record? This is a bit of John Deere Tractor. Deere Tractor in a half acre field. I'm trying to plow through. Lovely harmonies on that one. That track, uh, John Deere Tractor, was written by Lawrence Allen Hammond, uh, and that was originally recorded by the Judds in 1984 and then again in, in 1990. The three words I chose to describe the album are uh, kick some grass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's a, it's a celebration of, you know, bluegrass and, you know, sort of your old timey, you know, country Western sounds. And, you know, it's, it's easy for me to, to get behind that. I, I really en- enjoy that stuff. I was actually surprised by his voice. When I actually saw what he looked like, I, I was quite shocked because I, I was picturing like a John Popper from Blues Traveler or <laughs> yeah, something. Big old guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, no, just this kind of baby faced, uh, you know, little guy. But yeah, so I, you know, I love his voice. Uh, there's a couple of tracks where his, uh, where his stepfather sings, uh, that, that Life to Go track, which is actually a, a George Jones, uh, original. I think he did a, a really good job with that. And their harmonies, you know, to, together just really work well. When I, read that he was like a prodigy uh, or a phen- you know, young phenom or something. I, I, I kind of pictured that he played like banjo or, or something like that because, you know, in bluegrass, a lot of times the guitar is just sort of there, you know, it's, it's providing the, the framework of the song, but it, it's not generally a, a place where you're showing off virtuosity. But if you really do listen to some of these tracks and some of the solos, you know, you get it that, you know, that he's actually just a really good um, acoustic guitarist. Yeah, there's a couple instrumental tracks on here that I think the two of them back and forth is impressive by track like frosty morn which is like a three minute instrumental track towards the end of the record they just crush it and just speed through it and make incredibly fast incredibly dexterous playing there and uh, it's impressive to hear i'll probably end up saying this about all three of our our records but you know it's, it's a celebration of the past you know and i i feel like the best country that's out there is always kind of looking backwards and i'm not sure what there is moving forward you know for for country we'll, we'll talk more about that later why don't we play another cut now this is stone walls and steel bars so stone walls and steel bars was written by ray pennington and roy markham was first recorded and released by the Stanley Brothers in 1963. With these old-timey country songwriters, it, it seems like they saw prison as being like a real possibility. Oh, you know? <laughs> dude, you gave it away. I was going to get Sorry. into like how this Go song on. is about prison because yeah. it's kind of, you know, yeah, it's it was really pretty, deep in yeah, the deep surface. Metaphor there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, you done <laughs> fucked it up, man. The whole thing is ruined. Oops. Yeah, so... uh Gray-haired warden, Deep Frisco Bay. We're talking Alcatraz. We're talking San Quentin. I mean, it sounds like the guys on death row. Um, San Quentin would have been the place for that. But and and I think in '63, Alcatraz closed. In prison uh, trivia over here, man, impressive. Yeah, well, I, I dig deep, man. So the three words I used to describe this album: uh, generic grass joke. 
<laughs> no, just kidding. That's good. The three words I used to describe <laughs> are uh, this is a generic strings joke uh, or or list. Billy's father's strings. You know that that little clip we played at the beginning with him talking about his dad's guitar and and the history in it and how he'll always feel him there. That got me thinking about the the you know the strings, the things that tie us together as a family, oh, whether we're yeah. blood related or not. And then the the uh, Billy Strings thing and just like his otherworldly guitar playing talent and to see that it was sparked by this guy, you know. I'm going to ask you, Andy, Terry Barber, did he have a recording career or just uh, played bluegrass with his buddies? I I think he was well-known, at least in the area, as being a bluegrass guitarist, but I don't know if he had a like recording career, at least as far as I could find any information on. That was kind of the feeling I got. So what was interesting to me was that although Billy has done plenty of uh, bluegrass stuff and he's done rock and roll covers, he's done all sorts of stuff. I love that they took traditional country songs and bluegrassized them. Bluegrass them up. Yeah, you yeah. normally think bluegrass is just a part of country and it's its own thing. Like I, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, interesting tidbit, man. I don't know if you knew, but he used to be in a, a metal band or for a few years <laughs> before he got into bluegrass. Yes. Which uh surprising. When I've described Billy Strings to people in the past, I have said it's like it's bluegrass music if Metallica were playing it. <laughs> sort of. He's yeah. a master of bluegrass. He's pulling your string. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's playing your strings, right? Like, he can do both. <laughs> Uh, the, the, you know, the guitar solos and the structures of them and how they, one thing leads into another thing and then back again. Like, uh, but that's beside the point. But this album really, I think, holds significance because it's showcasing his talents, but also preserving bluegrass, emphasizing family connections and kind of prioritizing people and relationships and your roots over popularity or trying to make a hit record type of thing. Cause that's not what this was. This is a passion project. Yeah. Yeah. His previous record, uh, home won a Grammy for him in 2021. He has put out some original material since then, but I think this was kind of like a good opportunity to look back and, and maybe give his, give his father some, some of the spotlight as well. And, kind of highlight where he came from. So I think, uh, at least for that, it does a very good job of, of highlighting the past, as, as we were saying, country music does so well. All right, so the album is Me and Dad by Billy Strings. It's available in all the usual places. Check it out. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. If you're enjoying the show, and we hope you are, do us a solid and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Maybe we made you laugh. Maybe we made you cry, or you discovered an album you enjoy. Leaving a review keeps the show going and helps other music fans find us. I'm Ashley McBride, and we probably shouldn't tell you this, but this one time, six of us locked ourselves in a house for a few days, ate bottles of tequila, and six people that are half out of their brain. So was that the real world Memphis? <laughs> so the uh, album from today's country that I chose is one from Ashley McBride. It's, it's uh, called Ashley McBride Presents Lindyville. And we'll, we'll explain what that means uh, in a second. Uh, but first, uh, let's hear the closing cut. Uh, this is called Lindyville. I've seen 
So this is the third major label release by Ashley McBride, uh, born in Waldron, Arkansas in 1983. This is not a traditional solo album. Uh, so basically, as I understand it, she and a, a group of her songwriting pals, uh, which includes Brandy Clark, Benji Davis, Connie Harrington, Nicolette Hayford, uh, and Aaron Raytier. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. Uh, anyway, so they, they, uh, stayed in a cabin for, for seven days and, and wrote songs about characters in a fictional town, uh, called Lindyville. Uh, and it's called Lindyville, uh, as a tribute to country songwriter Dennis Lindy, who wrote, you know, the famous Elvis track, Burning Love, also wrote that Chicks song, uh, Goodbye Earl. So, yeah, I guess, you know, one day Ashley McBride, you know, realized she had all these, these songs about characters. And, uh, I guess she, you know, said to herself or to someone else, you know, well, what if all these characters lived in the same town? Um, so this is, uh, basically a, a concept album. Each song is about a different character and they're all you know performed you know by different different singers hey do you know if uh, lindyville is in cornfield county because that's, that's where <laughs> hee-haw took place <laughs> i was actually thinking about who's the author oh is it faulkner or something who has like that fictional county like where all his stories come from kind of reminded me of that hmm. also reminded me of um, neil young did greendale do you guys remember that Mm-hmm. Yeah, same idea. The three words I, I chose to describe the album are this American life. So it is just sort of a, you know, a slice of Southern or Midwestern uh, American life. It doesn't even have to be those things, right? If you drive around, uh, you know, upstate New York, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty yeah. rural. <laughs> but yep. yeah, you know, but it's uh, like a lot of good country music, you know, it is sort of, you know, telling that, you know, the stories of, of ordinary folk. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's hear another song. This is Bonfire at Tina's. So, uh, Bonfire at Tina's is towards the end of the album as well, where things get a little more serious on the album. I think some of the earlier songs are a little more comical in mm-hmm. their... Oh, yeah. Sort of over over the top. Jesus, Jenny. Yeah, to, to some degree, you know how you know how country music has these sort of cliches, mm-hmm. like cliches of whiskey and blah blah blah. There's also the cliches of trailer park white trash, and I feel like that's where this takes place. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you know small town, and and yes. But in a way where there was little to like about the folks of Lindyville until towards the end of the album, like Bonfire at Tina's, I really like how it features this sort of, um, this theme of all these women that don't get along in this town that we've seen earlier in the album, but they set aside their conflicts and support each other when everything else around them is, is falling apart. That there's, there's love for each other in this small town, you know, Mm -hmm. besides all the drama that goes on early on. So I really, I liked that sentiment of it where it kind of tied things up a little bit. Uh, The three words I use to describe this album, Southern songwriting theater. It is theatrical. There's uh, those commercials for local businesses that I do think. I mean, I I love this album. I, I I am mad at myself for ignoring it. I liked her first two. This came out. I I played it and I got confused and thought it was a playlist or something because I was hearing <laughs> other voices. So I just kind of ignored it. And when Don brought it up, I went back to it and then finally got a chance to understand what the hell was going on. So don't give up if you're listening to this because <laughs> you do hear different voices. It's not a traditional 
uh, third record. It's odd that a major country label allowed this to come out with bad words in it and untraditional feel, but I love it. I love that this signifies a potential shift in the music industry. I mean, maybe there'll be more freedom to break away from traditional production norms for country artists and explore a little. It also reminded me of the pre- of Pressure Machine by The Killers a little bit in concept where they were talking about small town life in, mm-hmm. in Utah. This is more of a hee-hawified version of it, but... <laughs> It, it, you know, it, it still talks about small town life and, and has a theme and a, and a concept. And I dug that too. Yeah. Also, I uh, want to mention that the, uh, the album was produced by John Osborne of the, the brothers Osborne. Uh, in fact, I guess the other Osborne brother, I think there's only two. Uh, TJ Osborne actually sings, uh, lead on that play ball song, which is about the groundskeeper Willie guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, well, let's uh, let's hear another one. Here's Brenda, put your bra on. Bra on. Just getting good shits going down in the trailer hood. Pants round his ankles, still sporting wood. Brenda, put your bra on. Brenda, put your bra on. Wow, sporting wood really got done there. <laughs> the parlance of our times. Yeah, I, I think that song nicely kind of sets the stage for what what to expect in this town here. My three words to describe this record are: "This is America too." To some degree, I think maybe we overlook this side of American life a little bit more. At least in my my daily life, we don't think about you know what's life like living in a trailer park. And this record really gets into all the nitty gritty and all the drama that is likely to ensue with the people living there. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it's got a good sense of humor. Really love the little commercials. There's a great one for the dandelion dying. Pie time for pie time at the Dandelion Diner. I thought that was hilarious. There's like a half dozen of those little sprinkled in throughout the record. Um, but yeah, I really, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty charming record. Not every track is a home run for me, but I think the ones that work really well, like uh, there's a song called The Misconnections Section, where it's kind of like a classified uh, newspaper sort of conversation happening yeah. in a grocery store sort of. It's weird. They're both married. Yeah, they're looking to have an affair. And uh, it's just very, it's very real. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> people are making, consciously making mistakes, but just to kind of short term gaps, you know, in their life to fill in these, these shortcomings they have. And uh, yeah, I think it works really well. I, uh, you know, Bonfire Artinas, I thought was, was also a really good kind of climax to the record. And I think that worked, worked really well. It's really one of the few moments where like, the music kind of comes to a crescendo. The rest of the record feels kind of kind of flat, but I think that's intentional. Um, so yeah, I, overall, I really liked it, and I hope that, I hope there is some sort of future for this kind of collaborative. I don't even know what you would call this kind of style record, but it's it's unique, and I think it's much more interesting to dig into than just your traditional collection of songs. And and I think the fact that it was done in a week or so, it it touches that old way of making records back in the 60s and 70s where bands would turn around three or four albums a a year sometimes and just catch that moment of creativity instead of years of development of the story of Lindyville. Can you imagine like how boring it would have been (laughs) if they had had the time to like sanitize it and make it all perfect? I love how these 30 minutes go by where you have, it's like a little telenovela and it's just a really great listen. It does kind of feel a little bit like a soap opera, I guess, when you say telenovela there. 
It's kind of like episode of uh, Trailer Park Days of Our Lives here. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Bride was working on her next solo album while she was doing this. And I, uh, apparently, she actually handed the, the record label both records. And that one is, they've, she's already released a couple of singles from yeah, it. Yeah, I, I uh, heard that it's called The Devil I Know and should be coming out in September of 2023. So... We'll have to look forward to that one. I can't imagine it being as interesting as this, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so that was Ashley McBride presents Lindyville. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay, it's time for our most highly rated part of the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is when we ask ourselves a question. So Marie Osmond famously said or saying, uh, I'm a little bit country. Wait, was it her or was it Donnie? Who sings that line? It was her. Donnie uh, would then jump in with, I'm a little bit rock and roll. Oh, that's and right. Go back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So are you guys a little bit country and how so? Uh, I think calling me a little bit country might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Not much country in my life, though I do really love Southern food, I must say. If I could have any type of food for the rest of my life, I probably would have some good Creole food would be my choice. So I guess that's country. Are you on any kind of uh, cholesterol blockers? Because you <laughs> sure. don't need it, friend. <laughs> not yet, but I'm sure if I keep going down this road, it's not far away. Hush puppies all day long. Mm-hmm. What are those, potatoes? What are hush puppies? They're deep fried something, right? It's dough. Oh, okay. Just fry it. Whatever it is, just fry it. Isn't there like a shoe called a hush puppy too or something? Yes. I believe there was a shoe brand called Hush Puppies. <laughs> <laughs> not as tasty. They're not cowboy boots. <laughs> hey, yeah, so I'm from the Midwest, like the suburban type areas, however. So I don't know how country I really am, but I do drive a giant Ford truck. I wear Carhartt clothes. And I guess the most country thing about me is that I wear giant interchangeable belt buckles <laughs> like oh. like the cowboys on yellowstone i started doing it a few years ago because i saw this belt buckle that was also a beer bottle opener and i thought it'd be cool to open bottles of beer at my uh belt region <laughs> so <laughs> i i got the belt now i have a collection of like i don't know 10 different buckles and i change them out and some of them are american flags one of them says dude so do you like so, pick one out for the day like oh i'm feeling a little more american-y today I'll- uh, i i kind of stick with one most of the time and then every couple of weeks i'll mm, special occasions yeah. but yeah i just I, it's it's fun it's just fun to change out your belt buckles i don't know i, I think that everyone should switch if you wear a belt go get your southern style belt get get a buckle there's tons of them on amazon it's a lot of fun i didn't even know you could take off the buckle i thought that was all one unit there's snaps then so you can interchange them they have these loops that you can hook the buckle to that is pretty country bro the album nerds logo would be a good belt buckle yeah yeah get it done (laughs) diamond encrusted please yeah um well, you know, I mean, I, there are aspects of country life that, that um, you know, that I gravitate towards. I love, like, driving in the middle of, of like, farmland and, and stuff like that. You know, I just think that's a really cool and peaceful experience. Uh, I like to drink, you know, which is often celebrated, um, you know, in, in country music. Or one thing I, I thought of was was Coca-Cola. I don't drink soda all that often, you know, because it's, it's, uh, it's bad for me. But I just love a good Coke Right. You know, whether it's, you know, cold out of the can or, um, you know, uh, off the, uh, off the tap, off the spigot. <laughs> yeah. <off> the spigot. <laughs> um, and I, I just picture 
Coca-Cola being sort of like a, a, a Southern thing. Like, I think there's parts of the country that instead of saying soda or pop, they'll just refer to, you know, anything as, as Coke. Um, so that just feels, you know, old timey country. A, a Coca-Cola? Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, different kind of Coke. <laughs> there's some country music about that too. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Okay, well, what makes you a bit country? Uh, let us know. Come to the, the socials. Uh, also, uh, our Discord, albumnerds.com slash Discord. Wild card, bitches! <laughs> so, as I alluded to early in the show, I went with something a little more in the pop country realm. Going to talk about Lainey Wilson and her fourth studio album, Bell Bottom Country, released October 28th, 2022. Why don't we start with the track Watermelon Moonshine? Alright, so Watermelon Moonshine was written by Lainey Wilson, Josh Keir, and Jordan Schmidt. Explores the theme of young and reckless love. Wilson describes the song as embodying the essence of country music and creating a timeless story. But it's that nostalgia of first love, first time drunk, first time with some other stuff. And I just love the southern details in the song, like uh, parking back by the kudzu vines and uh, the taste of the watermelon moonshine and all that. And kudzu vines, for those that don't know, is uh, an invasive plant that uh, originally was used for adornment and to keep uh, soil erosion from happening. But it's it grows like a foot a day. It's overtaken a lot of the wilderness of like uh, Louisiana and Tennessee and all that. So I thought that was just a really nice little detail. So Lainey Wilson, Lainey Danae Wilson, born May 19th, 1992, raised in Baskin, Louisiana, town of like 200 people, farming father, school teacher, mother, been trying to be a, a musician her entire life, moved to Nashville in 2011. I guess she lived out of her car or van for a bit outside of a studio. She played parties where she would uh, dress up as Hannah Montana at kids' birthday parties. <laughs> she would do a set as herself, do some of her own songs, and then introduce Hannah Montana oh just to try and make bank. Yeah, she does look like her a little bit. Her, her style blends pop, southern rock, contemporary country, and classic country. She's influenced by Dolly Parton and Leanne Womack and has been really picking up steam with this fourth album. Uh, joined the cast of Yellowstone in 2022 and her songs have been uh, featured there. So she's really got a head of steam going and I love to see it. I think that for, it's like she took the whiskey and all that, all the typical bro country type tropes, trucks, daddies, boots, but she has made it her own and is... Uh, women don't get played on country radio much. They're like 15% of what gets played. And I think artists like her are going to pave the way to uh, change that. The three words I use to describe this album, promising, passionate country. Not since the emergence of Miranda Lambert have we seen a, a woman surface in mainstream country with such promise. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes because I think she's going to be the Reba of her generation. Why don't we uh, jump to the next track, Hold My Halo. Yeah, my three words to describe this record are different sounds familiar, 
I I don't know. I feel like I've heard this record many times before, though not specifically this record. I don't. I said I didn't dislike it overall. Like I just don't, I'm not a big fan of this pop country thing, and I feel like she's she establishes this brand of being like this country hippie sort of thing. This hillbilly hippie, as as she says on the second track, um, where she's combining elements of of rock, a little bit rock, a little bit country, I guess. Right. I mean, that's kind of where she's coming at it. Her producer is known for that too. He does. Uh, Jay Joyce is known to t- kind of put a rock slant on at least some tracks on the country albums he produces. So kind of follows. Yeah, he, I believe he produced Ashley McBride's albums as well. Yeah. So is she not known as being sort of a? I mean, bell bottom country is that not her moniker? Or well, her moniker for bell bottom country is that it's. It's basically express yourself, be yourself kind of a idea, like adding some fun. Some flair. They flare out uh-huh. the bottoms. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But that that's kind of the idea is is the, the fun that can be had of, of being yourself. And, you know, she does have this sort of, I don't know, brand at this point. But I felt like she, I felt like this record was trying to convince me of her brand. Like every track was kind of coming back to that, that idea for me of kind of being someone different in this space like i'm not like everybody else in this country pop space but i thought this record sounded very much like everything else i'd heard in the country pop space and didn't really open any new doors for me or say anything i hadn't heard said a thousand times before i i think to for me and and i feel the same generally about pop country i feel like this is digging a little deeper and it's baby steps you know People like Chris Stapleton have made it okay for some of those rules to be broken, but he still follows a lot of them, you know, uh, all about whiskey and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a step forward in in getting back to a place where we were, um, and I think Miranda Lambert helps with that as well, where it's pop country, but there's a little more substantive stuff. And not all, some of the songs are just straight up get drunk type just of stuff. have fun. Yeah, but then songs like "Watermelon Moonshine" and um, "Heart Like a Truck" and "Add a Girl" and those boots make up for all of that in my mind. Okay, all right. Why don't we listen to another song? This one's called "Weekend." Yeah, my favorite moments uh, on this album are the the sad ones, you know, kind of the the quieter and and sadder moments, which is uh, again uh, <laughs> on brand. On brand, yep. You know what else is on brand, Don? Is you're going to tell us the spelling of weekend? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's it's week W E A K. What what I love about songs like this, and it kind of reminds me of like when we listen to the the George Jones album. Yeah, you know, there's just just clever lyrics clever turns of phrase and stuff like that so you know she's singing about the the weekend um but she's actually you know then talking about the the weekend of a heartache i don't know something i don't know if it's something about her voice or or something in these these sadder songs um what's the other one new friends which comes at the end both of those songs really moved me when i listened to them i also liked she said something about putting on what she call her lipstick 
this still got it lipstick. You know, she's getting ready to go out on, on the town and, and make some bad decisions. Yeah, the, the, the neon bad decisions, which neon comes into play a lot with yeah. country music when they talk about bars, but still a thoughtful recycling, which is I, kind of what we were talking about with Andy, where I feel like that's what the strength of this is, is taking all that and just leveling it up a, a little. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, it's uh, you know it's an interesting album you know for me. Uh, well, I'll give you my my three words. I just said, "You go, girl." <laughs> uh, <laughs> never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, as Andy uh, said, you know, I mean, she's not the first kind of rebel in the in the country music uh, scene, but I think she she does it well. I think just the songs are, are good particularly lyrically and I, i'm not sure if all the lyrics are hers i know she co-writes all of her her songs but um yeah i just love the lyrics um you know to to a lot of these uh, a lot of these songs the thing that disappoints me i think is just sort of the the packaging or or the production of the album you know it's 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 pop production and i wish it sounded more like the ashley mcbride album uh, I mean, there's elements of it. The, the albums are, are similar in some way, and I, I can't really articulate what the difference is, but it just, it does feel very packaged, and, and maybe it um, just needs a, a little more dirt, a little dirt, sure, uh, <laughs> or some space. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'd like a treatment that was less modern and, and more kind of, you know, uh, rootsy sounding. The album was uh, a, a bit long, um, so it, you know it lost me at times. I think it should end with with wildflowers and wild horses. That was actually one of my favorite tracks. Actually, when it started, I thought it was going to be Ghost Riders in the Sky, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was a good track. Um, the cover of of What's Up or What's Going On or whatever. Oh um, I think she does a really good job with it, but I, I'm not sure that it was necessary uh, for the album. Seems like a good one live, you know that yeah. that she could do. Yeah. yeah I she took a song that I've become bored with and made it much more interesting for me. I like the I like the the countryfied uh, version of it, and you know. But that, I don't think she made it more interesting. I think she made oh, it. Oh come on, man! More boring. <laughs> the original song is a famously covered by everyone repeatedly for decades, and this yeah. this version I would be this is a second from the end of a throwaway album. Damn! Sorry, that was a little a little harsh. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> Man. Looks like uh, he just doesn't get it, guys. No, I, don't, okay. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I said, hey. <laughs> oh, I agree. Donna doesn't need to be on the record. And obviously, Andy agrees with that as well. <laughs> Andy doesn't want any of the songs on the album. No. But it, <laughs> it, it, didn't offend, it didn't offend me in any way. But yeah, uh, Wildflowers and Wild Horses would have been a nice closer. It, the album is about 56 minutes, and I would have been fine with it being 45 uh, at the most. And I probably could have done without Me, You, and Jesus, personally. That was the one song. Like There were songs on here that I didn't love initially, but the more I listened, I found things to like about them. And that one just didn't click for me. But Otherwise, I think it's a great pop country record, and I wish Lainey great success and hope that she uh, takes this popularity and ability to maybe do whatever she wants and come up with something interesting on the next record. So that was Lainey Wilson with Bell Bottom Country. I think any country music fan will find something to love in this record, so I encourage you all to go check it out if you haven't heard it already. Okay, so we... 
we ventured down the road of today's country, the long, dusty path or trail. Uh, did you guys learn anything? We learned that Andy's a spiteful man <laughs> and that he loves the four non-blondes. <laughs> I do. Linda Perry is a great songwriter. I, I need to make sure and say that. She wrote beautiful in every single... Okay. <laughs> Got a long time without Don singing in this episode. I don't know. I think country's in a good place. I love how it looks back to the past. I think it does that better than any other genre. And, you know, I mean, the 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 pop sort of brand thing of that's going on in country music. What's going on? <laughs> Because it's become so popular and it's such a mainstay of, of modern music. I think it maybe it's to some degree it's overtaken hip hop as these are the more popular genres in America. So I think uh, it's not unexpected. And, you know, obviously there's some value to that and some good things in there to pick out. They might be few and far between, but they're in there. How about you, dude? As I said I, earlier, I, I avoid pop country for the most part because it is so cookie cutter. But I, listening to this album last year, I, I heard it and really liked it. And I, I, I'm just glad that there are pop country albums I can find things to grab onto. Just because the tropes and cliches are there doesn't mean there isn't something great underneath it to enjoy. So um, I will continue to be a little more open-minded about it and listen to more of those records instead of just immediately dismissing them. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not surprised that I you know even even the popier album uh that that do chose I it still kind of has like a you know a rootsy vibe to it, you know, it is sort of a you know a a throwback. But yeah, you know, so I I think you know country music just has this this great legacy and you know I'm glad that you know modern acts are are embracing the past, but I I I do want to see, you know, where it can go. You know, there's the fusion of of hip hop and and country, like that stupid Billy Ray Cyrus and Lil Nas X song, whatever oh, that was. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know <laughs> if there's any anything there, but um, I, I just wonder like where you can go next uh, with, with country, and that's one to grow on. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. Next week on the show, we have something special for you. We're going to be looking back on a record that we reviewed, oh, about 100 episodes ago. Before Dawn, BD. The Dark Days Before Dawn was part of the show. So we'll be looking at Marvin Gaye's classic album, What's Going On? So join us for that conversation next week. What's going on? Oh, God. <laughs> Can't escape. It's not that one. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite modern country album? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can also email us at podcast at albumnerds.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Nerds. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support. Thank you for joining us here on the Album Nerds podcast. We'll catch you next time. When we're talking what's going on. Don't do it. He's trying. I can feel it coming, though. <laughs> Thanks, listener, everybody. We'll uh, see you next week. We'll finally get to the bottom of just what exactly is going on. <laughs> Y'all come back now, you hear? And I say, hey, yeah, yeah. That was good. That song is supposed to be done. And I'm getting real high, and I. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 